Welcome to Active Discourse, the multi-platform technology podcast. I am Bo, the guy who folds devices, which only recently started not breaking them. Nice. I am the undecided iPhone user. Which just kind of recently became decided? We'll talk about that. Let's talk about that. (laughs) DVD. Let's start with some (laughs) follow-up. In the last episode, we chatted about the newly released or announced iPhone 13 series from Apple. And Brett, in true active discourse fashion, made a surprise purchase. Tell us about it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, last episode I talked a lot about the iPhone 13 Pro. I made the choice to jump up to the iPhone 13 Pro, and the reason for that was because I did a full measure to make sure that my battery life issue went away. That was really frustrating over the course of the last year. So, I am still torn because, good lord almighty, this phone is heavy as hell. It really kind of bothers me how... Apple basically has completely given up on the regular-sized phone concept and basically just gone all in on the pro-sized phone and max-sized phone. So this phone that I have right now feels almost the same size as the 6 Plus series phone that I had a few years back. And I, I liked it. It was a little heavy, but I didn't stick with it because I thought it was a little too big and heavy. In certain circumstances, I do like the size. Like yesterday, out and about, my wife and I went for a hike in the in the better roots in Montana. It was a big, long hike. It was like a five mile long hike, two and a half miles one way, two and a half miles back. And a lot of beautiful things to see out there. The large screen was fantastic for the camera. Also, the camera's great. But yeah, like the large screen is great. The high refresh rate is great. But I feel like it's absolutely terrible for like doom scrolling Reddit in the morning or at night or just, you know, propping your phone up on on your bed, on your chest while you're using your phone at night or just trying to hold it up. You get zombie arm quick. It, it hurts. It's just so flipping heavy. And I don't know, it feels like my hands are constantly doing acrobatics in order to navigate around the damn thing. So I just wish it was slightly smaller. One thing I want to just throw in there is is that I looked it up real quick. The iPhone 13 Pro is 200, or actually, sorry, I'm looking at the iPhone Pro 13 Pro Max, but that's listed as 240 grams. So the 13 Pro is probably slightly less than that. And I was curious how it matched up with the Z Fold 3, which is 271. So 61 grams separate your iPhone 13 Pro from my Z Fold 3. Yeah. So, and the the thought process with the size is when you have your phone folded, it's probably not too hard to reach around the screen with your thumb. Like you can use it one-handed and reach the other side of the screen no problem. But when you unfold it, yeah. that's a whole different situation. Like it's not pretending to be something different. It's not pretending to be a small phone when it's unfolded. It's a big phone when it's unfolded and so you use it differently. The 13 Pro is too big. It's too big to be a one-handed phone, but it's way too small to be a phone that even can pretend to be a tablet because it's, it's just not a tablet. And in certain certain circumstances, it's fine, but it really bothers me. It really bothers me how big this screen is in certain circumstances. It's just so hard to use. And so, yeah, all these cons are exactly the reason why I love the Mini. And it was the most comfortable iPhone I ever used. So Best Buy is still running a sale on the iPhone 13 Mini. It's $100 off and there's an extra $100 uh, bonus trade-in. And also I happen to have an iPhone X sitting around that's otherwise collecting dust. So Best Buy is basically willing to give me $400 for that. And that's a good deal. So I ordered an iPhone 13 Mini and it comes on Wednesday. 
Oh, so it, okay. I understand. So it's a surprise iPhone purchase on top of the previous surprise yeah. iPhone purchase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here comes the next kicker. Awesome. I'm not returning the 13 Pro. <laughs> okay. So I'm so going to have two. Double fist. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the iPhone 10 is. I, I was thinking. I, I used to use it in tandem with the 12 Mini because. It, you know, every so often I did want a larger screen, but it wasn't the primary phone. So when I did want that larger screen, I'd use the iPhone 10. Well, the iPhone 13 Pro is the same screen size, essentially. And so that takes the spot of that. Now I'm lost without the mini. And so I'm just going to get the mini as well. And I'm going to use the mini in the certain circumstances that it works best. And I'm going to use the Pro as the primary device. So yeah, I'm going to have two. I'm going to be really weird. And basically, I couldn't make a decision. And so I just said, screw it. I'm going to make I'm gonna <laughs> take both. <laughs> that's okay so that leads me to the first attachment that i want to share with you on discord here and here it goes it will post in a moment this is the album artwork for when we decide to celebrate the fact that i have two primer or two phones we have the new third generation album artwork one side is the iphone 13 mini the other side is the iphone 13 pro and that will be the album artwork for this part of the show. And then the next part of the show is the official new album artwork that will replace the previous, which is the Fold 3, the Fold 3 on the left and the iPhone 13 Pro on the right. Nice. I dig the color combinations. Very cool. All right. And then there's one last one last thing I want to share with you, and you might enjoy this one, which is I got a case for my 13 Pro because that's the primary device. I might not actually get a case for the 13 Mini. I got a green leather case. So uh, this green leather case does encap. This green leather case does fully enclose the iPhone 13 Pro. However, there are definitely a few accents here and there. And if you don't remember, I have a gold iPhone. And what two colors now do i have right. on my phone <laughs> green and yellow green and yellow yeah, green that's and right yellow. Yeah, that's right i have a green and gold iphone now and it's that's awesome sick it is beautiful i wish the green was a little bit more pronounced but it's it's quite nice so awesome yep <laughs> that looks really cool okay so you will get you will get to see that in a few weeks when i when i come home so yeah Back local from a year out and about. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yep. All right. So now that Brett is dual wielding iPhones, <laughs> we've we've got some Microsoft stuff to talk about. So they they announced a like a whole series of new devices at their event. Uh, so the I guess the most interesting to us, or or potentially the most interesting, is the Surface Duo Two which is their follow-up to the original Surface Duo, which had had some... some It was lacking some things. So what, how do you think they, they followed it up? What do you think about the, the second iteration? I quite love the rounded edges. The capability to show notifications when it's closed on that edge of the screen I think is great. It's definitely inspired by Samsung. And... What do you think about that rounded edge? I don't know if your S9 Plus had a rounded edge, but what's your thought on it? Yeah, the S9 Plus did have edges on the screen on the left and right, and I really liked the curved edges. I know there's 
some people who didn't like the curve for various reasons. I think some of the complaints were that it looks weird if you look at the screen from an angle or something. I never look at my screens from an angle, so it wasn't an issue for me. I think it has the potential to make the screen more fragile, but on a device like this, those curved edges are in the hinge, so they're kind of inherently protected, and I think it gives you some utility. Because, like you said, the, when the device is folded, you can kind of just see a sliver of that screen in there, and it gives you just a very tiny preview of uh, notifications, the time, and that's handy. So I, I like it. They're, they're making use of the hinge instead of just slapping two screens together. Yeah. And they're, they're adding utility to it. Yeah. I, I, I guess the last thought that I have is I hope Google uh, has a dual slash folding screen version of Android relatively soon. I don't know if that is, you know, obviously there doesn't exist one today. And I don't know whether or not, given Microsoft's history of not really supporting the previous sort first duo, I don't know whether or not any new version of Android that better supports folding dual screens. I don't know if that would even come to this, but from your perspective, what we have today, what are your thoughts of a dual screen phone like this versus a large folding screen phone like you have, given that you've now had yours for over a month? Right. So the obvious thing here is that that I have a folding phone, the Z Fold 3 from Samsung. They differ in a few important ways. The Surface Duo the whole idea is that you've basically got two screens that are just attached at a hinge. They are separate screens. So the idea is you've got two separate screens that are attached at a hinge rather than the kind of uninterrupted folding display concept that Samsung has with the Z Fold 3. On top of that, the Z Fold 3 also has a cover screen. So you can use the phone in the folded state with a full edge-to-edge display basically on the outside so you can kind of treat it like a normal candy bar smartphone the duo 2 on the other hand and the duo 1 for that matter were was just a folding device no outside screen and you have to unfold it to use it it's a big that's a big difference yeah so there's a a big difference in how you would use the device the the utility of it the the number of kind of scenarios you might kind of want to pull it out in but speaking of the the software samsung has done a lot of software development with one ui to make it work really well on the z fold 3 and the z fold series so there's a lot of multi-window capability window kind of docking and and having things split screen having a, a dock actually on the side of the screen kind of like a desktop platforms have microsoft has also done a lot of this I haven't used the Duo 2 or you know watched too much video about actually using it, but they have done some of it. I don't think they've done near the level of Samsung. And I, I think they are going to get a boost from Google in that regard because Google actually does seem to be working on a version of Android with uh, dual or folding screen capabilities. It's currently looking like it's called Android 12.1, which is, it's still in the very early days. I don't think there's a lot of details about it. It's mostly based on leaks and things people have caught from the code changing. But 12.1 looks like it would bring some of this capability to Android proper. 
So Microsoft yeah. may get, kind of get some help in that area. It's also worth noting that Microsoft and Samsung have been very close lately. I don't think it's out of the question for them to potentially help each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's possible there could be some collaboration there. I don't think there's yeah. a lot of overlap in terms of the people that get would get one over the other. I wouldn't be surprised if the collaboration is Microsoft essentially playing both sides of the field because they're not under any any disillusion that their Surface Duo is going to take over the world. Like there's I'd say a very small chance that it becomes as important as uh, the Samsung Fold or the Samsung Galaxy S or the Samsung or, or the even, you know, any any iPhone model. Like it's kind of an experiment that Microsoft is doing and if it takes off great but the thing is this could also just be an experimentation place for microsoft to improve their android apps to because the future of their platform really is all tied to their office suite and if they can make a first party device that way they can learn how dual windows work and define how dual windows work it makes their apps better even if this device totally fails in a few years they might help define what large screens folding screens dual screens how they work and then which case they're at the at the very beginning Obviously, Google is there at the very beginning because they're creating the platform. So Microsoft is competing with Google, who's creating the platform here. So, But that puts them a step ahead of Zoom, where Zoom doesn't... They only have their calling platform, whereas Microsoft is closely competing to take down Zoom with Teams. So I there's a lot of win here for Microsoft. And the fact that they have kind of a fun consumer product in the, the Surface Duo is kind of a maybe not an accident but not the obvious path forward for microsoft to make a lot of money in the future i think they're going to make more money selling and continuing to sell access to their office platform and experimenting in it is a good thing so it's a really cool device, though. Like, My final word on it is kind of, I, I see the Duo 2 kind of like you. I see it as a, an opportunity for Microsoft not to have a killer device, but just, just to be there. Yeah. And then uh, also, to I, I see the, the two separate screen thing with the hinge as a temporary solution until we've really solidified the ability to fold glass really really well and samsung has been getting there really the z fold 3 is doing it very very well but it's still fragile it's still a soft display that can be scratched easily so the duo 2 resolves that by just not folding the glass and having two separate hard glass screens and so i i do see it as kind of temporary until our technologies that just allows us to do this in a better way So that is the Duo 2. It's an evolving device, and we'll see how well it sells. Maybe Duo 3 ends up being a thing. For now, I'm going to stick with the Z Fold 2. Yeah, maybe maybe next year at this time we can buy a Duo 2 for 400 bucks. Yeah, for 400 bucks. Okay, so yeah, let's, let's keep an eye out for sales. But until then, let's talk about the Surface Pro 8. So this is a large redesign. They really have kept the same design for since the uh, Surface Pro 3. Yeah, wild, right? 
Yeah, that's it's nuts that they had such a great design in the Pro 3 that they more or less just kept it forever. So this product line really sparks a lot of thought in my mind because as an iPad user on this show, the iPad obviously has very few competitors, I think. Maybe its highest selling competitor is the Surface Pro line. And so just thinking about this and really thinking about these two devices, the Surface Pro line and the iPad Pro line really excite me because both companies are marching towards a fabled device that doesn't yet exist. And I can't wait to see how exactly we get there and when we get there. So they're approaching this from two opposite angles. Apple's building a new platform, whereas Microsoft is adapting an old platform. And I think the the Surface Pro 8 is the next great candidate to get closer to being that fabled device. And what I mean by that fabled device is a single device that can be a laptop, can be a tablet, and can be a desktop all at once. And basically, you just plug in whatever you feel like you need in order to do what you need to do. So plug in a case with a keyboard on it, and you have a laptop plug it into a Thunderbolt dock and you have a desktop or unplug everything and you can just use it how you want to use it on on the couch or in bed or wherever you want to go with a pen in the field. It's amazing. It's what I want. It will exist and we're marching closer towards that. So here's a few quick things I think that a Surface needs to do in order to get closer to that. So first and foremost, the Surface Pro 8 feels like a laptop first but a tablet second. So it's the laptop case. They need a laptop case that works on your lap. The The fold-out hinge is quite good, but the thing is it's pretty hard to keep that on your lap. Like you, you would be hard-pressed to use a Surface Pro 8 on your lap, but it works really well on a desk. So, you know, that there's, there's one thing there. So it works well on a desk, should work better on the lap. Also, I, this one's going to be, this one might not be possible, but Better tablet-optimized software for Windows. Obviously, Windows is a pretty slow-moving platform. They've been trying to get tablet apps for a decade now, and it hasn't happened. So there's there's that. Do you have any thoughts on tablet apps on Windows? Well, it's it's glacial. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't actually used a I haven't actually used a Microsoft tablet in length. They. You know what's funny is they really dove into it with Windows 8 yeah. and then backed off entirely. Yeah, it's it that's a that's a complicating story because of the fact that the thing is Windows is oh boy, I, I don't wanna make people angry, but Windows just is not that interesting of a platform these days. Uh Windows eleven is interesting with its UI redesign, but people use it for work. I don't think they use Windows a lot for entertainment outside of the very niche professional gaming platforms. I don't know about that because Windows is a huge platform e- even for consumer use. Windows is the one of the I mean Apple and Macs have have a ton of the market, but Microsoft still has a, a pretty large stranglehold on even consumer use. Oh, definitely. No question about that. But the thing is, it's not interesting. Like, the only thing that's interesting about it is consumers buy laptops, not unless you're going to play games on it. They just buy laptops to do homework assignments or to do general 
tasks that a, a tablet can't do or their phone can't do. But the phones and potentially tablets, but phones really have taken over the primary use case and almost all the excitement from Windows because Windows is is an appliance, essentially, unless you're using it for uh, desktop PC gaming. Yeah, I think I think we can maybe see it that way. I don't think the average consumer sees it that way at all. I think they would look at at Windows and Mac essentially the same way. Some people might think that Mac is more stylish. You know, that's kind of Apple's whole MO. But I don't think that they see them as two entirely different things where one of them is entertaining and fun to use and the other is not because they both allow you to do the same things. I think it all comes down to brand perception, style, uh, and things like that for the average consumer. So I, I don't think Windows itself has any kind of detriment to the consumer, but I do think they have not done a good enough job of optimizing it for tablets. Of course, this is coming from someone who has not used tablet windows at any sort of length or really ever. So if, if there's anyone listening who has, we would love to hear your comments. <laughs> and at the end of this episode, we'll tell you exactly how you can let us know. I think it's the stance of this podcast, though, that tablet apps on Windows is not a great experience, and I don't think that's a controversial opinion. <laughs> right. And I don't think they're as good at it as Apple or Samsung by any means. Right. So anyway, the, the Surface Pro 8, as I, I think for sure it's, it's, it's funny because it's so good at being a laptop and yet has like you said the it's kind of missing the physical ergonomics of the thing but i don't know maybe there's like third party cases or something like that there's not a ton of third party cases i know that and, and there isn't there isn't anything quite like the and this isn't necessarily a good keyboard case that's really extremely lappable but the magic keyboard case for the ipad pro for example is one example of a keyboard case that makes the iPad more lappable. It still is a wobbly mess on my lap, but it's you know, it's definitely a step in the right direction. It needs it needs to go further. So, the last thing that I think that the Surface Pro series needs that the iPad has gotten is some form of some form of crazy processor leap similar to what happened with the M1 coming from Intel. The M1 processor in the MacBooks, for example, like doubled battery life in a single year, and you could buy the lowest end laptop, the iPad, the MacBook Air, and it had comparable performance to their highest end MacBook Pro, the the 16 inch that you could buy for anywhere from like two thousand to three thousand dollars. That's amazing. And I, the thing is, the Surface Pro 8 still is very much using laptop hardware and i don't think anyone would be fooled into thinking that it's anything other than a laptop you plug it into a dock and you aren't thinking oh boy i basically have a desktop here whereas i I plug in my macbook air and it's it's faster than any mac i've ever owned which is wild so now i've never owned an imac pro but i do own from work a 16 inch macbook pro and it's a hot powerful mess (laughs) whereas the macbook air is a cool powerful computer the 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 pro here 
has only Intel chips, but Microsoft has used AMD Ryzen mm-hmm. in some of its other Surface stuff. So I wonder how how a Ryzen, a high end Ryzen, would do in a Surface Pro device. I, I think that uh, could potentially go a long way toward that that goal of efficiency and power. So just to kind of sum up the Surface Pro 8, it is, well, let's kind of compare it to the previous gen. So it's got a larger screen with 120 hertz refresh rate, which is yeah. kind of becoming standard nowadays. It's got user replaceable SSDs, though it is it does seem to be limited to like Microsoft approved or certified SSDs, which I don't know, the form factor... But I don't know. The framework has thrown off my <laughs> my whole idea of modularity because uh, a lot of the excuse has been, well, the form factor and the portability, and it's you can't really fit it into something like that and still have it modular. And I personally think that the inclusion of the user replaceable NVMe SSD is absolutely fantastic, and I love every single second about it. The NVMe's are getting larger and cheaper in the long run anyway, not this chip shortage notwithstanding. I mean, I have a I have a terabyte SSD that I bought for 100 bucks just the other year, and it's an NVMe drive. It, it's as fast as any internal drive I have, and it's fantastic, and I love the fact that Microsoft is just willing to add in a, a port where you can swap in your own hard, uh, your own storage solution. I think it's fantastic. Yep, agreed. I, these SSDs are getting phenomenal. I'm going to recant a little bit. The it it's not it doesn't seem like a hard and fast requirement. It doesn't seem like you can only use Microsoft stuff. Um, yep. It's just that it's a shorter M2, the smaller yep. M2 SSD. They just recommend <laughs> Microsoft branded stuff, obviously. So uh, aside from the storage, it's 11th gen Intel hardware, up to 32 gigs of RAM. So I, I don't think hardware is anything to complain about here. Very powerful stuff. Battery, I think, is always something we can complain about. So overall, a Service Pro looks great, the or or at least has has the hardware to be great. I think it's eternally kind of in this place where. Is it a laptop or a tablet? So it comes down to ergonomics, how you'll be using it, where you'll be using it, and not much else. Otherwise, it's probably, you know, for the price, probably pretty easy to to recommend if you're looking for something at that that level. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good device, and I think that pairing it with a USB C dock and just taking it from one scenario to another could be could be really great. I if I didn't have a MacBook at work, I would love to have a Surface at work. I I, I would love to have that just so I could contact switch whenever. So the next device is also a very interesting one as well though. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking for something above the level of the the Surface Pro 8, you might want to take a look at the Surface Laptop Studio. This one is at least fun, right? Oh, <laughs> we can at least very. give it that. <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah, this is, a, this is one of the most fun, interesting concepts out there. Yeah, we're we're big fans. I think I can speak for Brett on this one. We're big <laughs> fans of new form factors. Yeah. So uh, we're always excited about seeing something that at least tries something new. And on top of having powerful hardware, the Surface Laptop Studio has this interesting hinge behind the display. It's kind of a, it's like a two-part hinge. So it's got the normal laptop hinge, 
but it also has a hinge halfway halfway up the display, I guess is how you would say it, where which allows you to tilt the display back and forth. So you can kind of bring the bottom of the screen toward you at the bottom of the to cover the keyboard essentially and then have you know the touchpad kind of right up against the bottom of the display and so it it gives you a lot of a lot of utility and you can actually fold it flat too to use it like a kind of like a tablet so it's really really cool and innovative i can't say for certain that it's the first thing to do this but it's the first one that has caught my attention it's an evolution of the two-in-one laptop market where frequently you mm -hmm. see this in the uh, two-in-one market where the screen rotates so that you can flip it back on its side and then you have a tablet that you can carry around heavy heavy boy but this i think is a really cool evolution because it surprises me that Apple had a similar concept with the Magic Keyboard case where it has that cantilever design where you can, essentially, you have a floating display. And this design, you can get a floating display depending on how exactly you tilt it. And I think it's really cool. I I think that this is the natural, thinking about the Apple world, I think that this is the natural evolution of the Magic Keyboard case if they can ever figure it out. But in the meantime, in the Surface laptop studio world this is a a really fun device it's a little heavy it's about four pounds so four pounds for the roughly 13 inch uh, laptop is a little heavy but i I think if you think about it from the perspective of it being most a primarily desktop environment sits on a desk uh, and it has that weird platform at the bottom it's a laptop that's permanently sitting on a platform that that part there is a little strange to me but if you think about it as a laptop that's glued to a desk, which is what most people in enterprise worlds have today, I think it's a really interesting idea because I could see uh, myself in a meeting where I just want to write something on the screen. So I just fold the keyboard down, take out the pen that's sitting underneath the laptop and draw on the screen and say, this is exactly what I'm thinking. Let's stop guessing based off of my ability to draw with a mouse and keyboard, I'm just going to draw it on screen and go from there. And I I think that that's a a really, really good benefit of this. And yet another scenario where Microsoft is clearly trying to experiment with the future of platforms to make their office suite better. This is clearly a hardware device that will make all of their office apps better, I think. I would agree with that. Yeah. So this this form factor is, I think, gonna. I, I think it'll work out. I think the Surface Laptop Studio will be a recurring uh, series for them, like the Surface mm-hmm. Book and Pro and all of that. I, I yeah. think this one will come back. From what I understand, this replaces the Surface Book. Okay. Yep. That would make sense. Yep. Yeah, and I think the reason why is because the since they had the GPU inside the keyboard, I think it, it sounded like, based off of the conversations I've heard on Windows Weekly, the handling the variable detaching GPU was a little too challenging for a laptop form factor. So this seems like it's going to re- replace that. And I, I think it's a good replacement because they have a tablet in the Surface Pro and they can they can get back to the Surface Book space without building a GPU into the keyboard case. And I think that the Surface Pro with a better keyboard case probably is the future of the Surface Book. I can't help but wonder, though, is I I don't know the specs of this laptop studio, but 
it feels like this could, if you choose to think about your desktop in the form of a laptop that's permanently connected to a screen and you can pull it off whenever you want, this almost seems like a desktop replacement more than a laptop replacement. Would you yeah, ever I, consider that? I, I saw your comment there and I, I started thinking about it. And that is interesting because <laughs> I've, well, I've thought about my desktop PC, which is the one that you and I built six years ago. And I've wondered if I can have a more compact desk setup because my desk has gotten kind of full of stuff. My office desk has a PlayStation 5 on it, a couple pieces of recording equipment, speakers, a couple lights, yeah, all this stuff. And then my desktop PC actually sits under the desk. It's on a platform. It's not on carpet, just so no one gets scared or anything. So, like, there's a lot of stuff at my desk, and I've thought about if I could miniaturize it. And part of it, you know, like, I could go with, you know, mini ATX or whatever and build a smaller PC. But uh, now that you mention it, I'm thinking about this concept, and maybe maybe I just use uh, kind of a laptop like this that I dock at my desk that attaches to my monitor, and I kind of use it for both a laptop and a desktop. I don't know how that sits with me yet because I've always, yeah. I've always been of the mindset that I have a laptop and I have a desktop mm-hmm. and they're different contexts. And I don't know, I guess I would have to think about that because I kind of just leave my desktop on all the time. So it kind right. of functions a little bit as a, and I, I have a Plex server running on it. So I don't know. Okay. If that, so that's, you know, that might not where I work out. Would work. Yeah. Right. But the, the hardware, I think, could support it. And this this has uh, Thunderbolt 4 ports, so I'm pretty sure I could even do like an external GPU, which isn't something I've looked super into, but I think... I have. We can talk about it. In that scenario, I think in that scenario, it would even allow for a lot of gaming possibilities on the... Probably at least on the level of what my six-year-old custom-built desktop can do. Yes. Uh, on on top of having the interesting form factor that I could then undock and take somewhere else and has pen support and things like that. So it's an interesting idea, but that's going to take some thinking. I'm going to have to think on that a lot. Yeah. Okay. So caveat obviously is the fact that you mentioned Plex server and I don't think I would trust a laptop to run a Plex server, not because of the fact that I can't handle it, just because of the the fact that laptops do like to go to sleep. And I don't allow my Plex server to sleep. So, right. But I could also get a replacement in the, in the form of some sort of mini PC or something like that. The other thing is, you don't need to get rid of your desktop. You can just designate it as a server for the rest of time. Put it in a closet or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's essentially what I'm planning on doing with my Mac Mini. I think my Mac Mini will still have some form of user interface purposes here and there but since getting this macbook air last year this is my future of app development i don't need the mac mini for app development it the the two devices are equally powerful so i might only use the mac mini for dual screen purposes because my macbook air can't do three screens it can only do uh two screens which is annoying anywho yeah so the you don't need to get rid of your desktop you can convert it into a server you have a relatively recent laptop and i don't know maybe 
that does seem a little excessive to replace the the tap the laptop because this would definitely serve as a replacement for your tap for your laptop no question about it maybe we're probably a little too early with that one but it's just a, it's an interesting thought process probably something to think about maybe for second or <laughs> third generations yeah i i feel like i'm getting torn in so many directions because i really like the surface laptop studio and i've been uh a little bit i i there's a couple pc games that i'd like to play and that i do kind of play right now but this desktop that i have currently it's not as powerful these days as it used to be it's it's not as good as it once was but it's as good once as it ever was the answer is yes <laughs> but the, the other side is like i've been thinking about something like the the steam deck from valve oh. and the portability of that and using that as a gaming thing and oh my. so it's like there's a there's a hundred different tech gadgets out there oh obviously my. that we're always bouncing between but uh, i think we need yeah, to talk about I, pc gaming in a future episode though. <laughs> maybe we do wow. so i thought about upgrading my current pc too so there's there's a few different options and yeah. things that i would have to really decide on where i want to go with with the current setup that i have i would like i i like to minimalize when i can the problem is that i also like powerful versatile things it's yeah. hard to minimalize and also have those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I get home, I will show you my n- new setup because I've learned a lot over the course of the last year and I'm going to have a very v- extremely versatile setup when we get home, when I get home. So. I'm sure you have and I'm sure you will. Yeah. 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 That's the beautiful <laughs> thing about tearing down your desktop 12 times in a year. You have to make the most out of the very fewest possible devices. So I... I look forward to taking this lesson home with me. I want to round off the devices that we talked about. So sure. there was a Surface Duo 2, which is a, honestly a huge improvement over the original. It adds in features that were missing from the first one, such as NFC, and has a better camera. Price tag is at $1,500. The Surface Pro 8, which is a huge redesign over the Surface... Well, it's the biggest redesign since the Surface Pro 3. That one starts at $1,100. And then we have the Surface Laptop Studio, which is the cool hinge device. And that one starts at $1,600. And on top of the hinge has uh, some pretty uh, decent hardware packed in there. So I I think the device is all around. It's good stuff. And I think the... I think the reception so far has been positive for people who are in the Surface ecosystem. So uh, I'm interested in at least one of these devices. I don't see myself getting the Surface Duo 2. I like my Z Fold. Yeah. I will stick with it for now. But I I do like that Microsoft is doing new things and bringing some innovation to form factors. So that's yeah. nice to see. It's definitely a healthy lineup. It's good stuff. Okay, Okay. so to close out today's episode, since this is our secondary episode in the month of October, we're going to switch it up, and instead of a pick, we today have a would-you-rather question. Hit me with it. All right, so we're recording on Sunday, and we're recording a little early on Sunday because we're going to watch football. We're going to watch the Packers hopefully destroy the uh, Steelers, so... Would you rather watch today's game in the stadium or at home? Mm, stadium or at home. Well, okay, so it's a home game. That makes... I, I've been to Lambeau Field like 
six or seven times and it's always amazing being there man and i'm sure the <laughs> god okay so here's my dilemma i i uh i would love to be there the current situation is i would say oh. still not easy to make make that decision in because there's been an uptick in this whole thing that we all know is happening. The elephant in the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, can it just not go away already? Like, we've been dealing with this forever. And it just, it seems like it keeps coming back. That yeah. said, I did go to a Twins game recently, and, like, it was fine. And, like, if we got into a big crowd, we, you know, we dealt with it, wore masks, whatever. Yep. I would love to be there today. I, I would, if if I could, I would... I would be there at Lambeau Field. All right. I have a dissenting opinion. And I want to caveat it with, I do, I have actually never been to Lambeau. And I do really, really want to go. And it does look like it's a lot of fun, a lot of energy. It would be fantastic to be there for, I'd say, a pretty interesting game. Like maybe a, a game that decides where we sit in the playoffs or... God forbid it decides whether or not we get into the playoffs. I think that that game, that high level of energy would be a lot of fun. But my dissenting opinion, however, though, is that the TV studios do a really, really good job of actually being able to get the action live and pretty damn well covered. Uh, every single instance that I've ever been to a game... I've never been able to see exactly what's going on, and maybe that's not the point of being in the stadium. But if I want to see what's going on and see the incredible action and see the incredible plays from the absolute best possible angles, TV does that every single time. Whereas you have to kind of get lucky to be on an end zone side in order to and be on the correct end zone side at that in order to see a really great action play live and in front of you so in general i think i'm going to prefer watching games via tv but that said on those super crazy games that decide everything and all in the energy in the energy of the stadium is there i think that that would be the instance in which i'd want to be there but in general today i'm happy to be at home yeah i would agree a little bit on the that it's easier to follow a lot of things when you're watching at home. But they're, t yeah, it's totally different experience being there in the stadium. And one thing that I haven't done that I think I would do next time is have probably just like one of your buddy in and listen to mm. uh, the radio commentary or something like that to still kind of get some call outs for stuff because it, it does great. It, it, it is a little harder to follow unless you're like really keyed in on on who the players are on the field and things like that that i think the commentary would help out a lot with because when you're on the tv like they're they're they got lower thirds and stuff that's calling out who it is that you're looking at and and they're always talking about what players doing what and and so that makes it really easy to follow and that that's very helpful but when you're in the stadium, it's really more of a. It's really more of a. It's an experience. It's not. Yes, it's an experience, but it's it's like, are we winning or are we not winning? Yeah. And you're you're really just fired up about either one of those two scenarios. Yeah. In my experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Happy happy we're back with football, and at least Rogers is on the team, and hopefully four more years at least. So. So fun fun topic. I, we've had a lot of. Uh, 
disagreement in this episode, which is actually a little rare. So it's a pretty, pretty great episode today. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to share any feedback or questions, uh, topic suggestions, if you want to tell me how wrong I am about the excitement, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Active Discourse. And we will be back in November. I'm finally moving home to Minnesota, so I'll have a busy month of travel because I'm in Montana. I'm not traveling one day. I'm traveling over the course of several weeks. So, But in November, we'll talk about the Pixel launch and probably we'll talk about why I chose to make Sneaker Tracker and Swift UI instead of UIKit. So long October, good October. Until, the, until we talk again, stay safe. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye.